This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Not from Miami to Las Vegas today. From New York City to Las Vegas today. Amber Wilson live from the Seaport Studios here at ESPN. Joe Fortenbaugh with you as well at Joe Fortenbaugh. That's how you find him. At Amber W Sports, that's how you find me. If you're an Eagles fan, you're probably already up in my menchies because they are very big mad at me today. Your brother, Joe, they are so mad at me. Because if you say anything other than Jalen Hurts is going to win the NFL MVP this season and the Eagles are going to win a Super Bowl, anything short of that, Eagles fans just come at you. Yeah, it's pretty on brand. That sounds about right. <laughs> Having uh, spent quite a bit of time down there tailgating at the link and previously the vet prior to that. Uh, let's do this real quick. Go a little bit off topic from what we were planning. Which fan base could you say that about that wouldn't get upset? Now, there's there's plenty, I'm sure, well, but Eagles fans losing their minds over that, completely understandable. Anytime we say anything negative about Kansas City, James needs to go change his pants. He gets so upset. Oh, come on. Well, it, I'm it, sorry. It's, it's, it, this it, conversation, it's, it's not just about the fan base, though, itself, right? Obviously, a rabid fan base in Philadelphia and New York falls into that conversation. Boston falls into that conversation. But it's not just about the fan base. It also is about the expectations. So although New England has a rabid fan base. I don't think anybody is going after me if I say Mac Jones isn't going to win the NFL MVP this Good point. season. <laughs> Good point. I think they're realistic based on what they've seen yeah. in the past two decades and what they are seeing currently. So that makes some sense. Let me ask you this. In New York, you're at the Seaport Studios. Yes. You alone there? I'm not trying to be weird. No, I'm in well, the Vegas all, studios. That, that, is, that is weird. There, there's tons of security, everyone. Okay, There's tons of security. So much security, if don't you, try anything. So much security, if you can hear my voice. Uh, that said, I'm not, are you by I, yourself? I am also, I'm actually not. I mean, in the Seaport, there are people who work here all hours, because there's engineers and stuff oh, like okay. that who work here all hours. Uh, it's, it's fairly lonely. Renee is behind the glass as well, and he cuts all of our, you know, Imaging and promos I'm completely and all alone. of our fancy. I am completely alone. Oh, there you're is not alone another soul in this studio. Wow. They all leave. They don't even care if everything's working. They just leave. And like someone might give me a head nod. I don't know what I what, what I'm supposed to do with that. And then they leave. And then that's it. I'm here now. This studio isn't as big as Seaport, mm-hmm. and there is a casino downstairs. Should I find myself lonely? There are plenty <laughs> of friends nearby, I'm sure. Yes. But there There's isn't another soul in here. And I was wondering, are we both just completely alone in giant studios talking to each other over Zoom? Not today. I have been there though. I used to do weird shows, like weird hours for ESPN when I was still hosting a local show in Miami. And so I would show up on a weekend to do off hours and nobody would be there. And those studios were huge that Ooh. I worked at in Miami. It was always it's always it's a weird feeling, right? I would imagine that you're extra lonely right now. Yeah, a little your bit. cavernous studios. Yeah, that's why I was trying to bond with you over it, but you were like, no, nah, there's plenty I'm of good. people here. I'm having a great I'm time. I'm good. I'm having a great time. Yeah, the San Francisco cocktails. 49ers, they might be having a great time as well. They've got their guy in place, Brock Purdy. He will be QB number one. He's been fully cleared. Everybody expects that he's going to be the guy all season. But are they out of the woods when it comes to that quarterback situation? Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more all your protection in one place bundle and save at progressive.com one of the questions that we asked on first take today was can Brock Purdy are you confident that Brock Purdy can get the San Francisco 49ers to a Super Bowl how would Joe Fortenbaugh answer that question I'd say yeah yeah I'm all right with it he's got so much so much around him 
if you took him and you put him on, say, the Chargers, and you said, were you confident Purdy can get the Chargers to the Super Bowl? I'd say no. If you put him on the Cowboys, I'd say no. If you put him in Philadelphia, I'd say no. You put him in San Francisco? Yeah, I could see it. It's a fantastic defense led by Nick Bosa, 18 and a half sacks last season, holding out right now for a new deal, confident they get something done. The Niners would be idiots to cause a problem with him, um, given some of the issues they've had in the past with some contracts. Defense is going to be solid. They can run the ball as well as anybody, and they've got three great weapons at pass catcher in tight end George Kittle, wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, and wide receiver Debo Samuel. And when you have a head coach like Kyle Shanahan and a running game like what they deploy, you are able to control the time of possession. And when you control the time of possession and you control the tempo, and more importantly, you dictate the tempo of the game, you force your opposition into playing your style of football. And that's what San Francisco is very good at. They're good at making the opponent uncomfortable, putting them in spots where their defense has to get a stop, and then here comes a a six-and-a-half-minute drive that just jams you up in a bad way. So I don't think Purdy needs to be elite to get this team to a Super Bowl, which is why I'd answer your question, yes, I am confident that he'd be capable of doing that. I answered that question, no. And the reason I answered the question, no, is because of the word confident. Do I think... Brock Purdy can get them to a Super Bowl, yes. But am I confident that he's going to get them to a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. It's just not a large enough sample size. We saw him start seven games last season, really six, because he gets knocked out of the NFC Championship so early. He did great in the six games that we saw him in. He knows how to run Kyle Shanahan's system, it feels like at a level that Jimmy Garoppolo ran Kyle Shanahan's system. The only quarterback on that roster who seems to struggle with that is the guy that they traded assets to trade all the way up to get in Trey Lance. He doesn't seem so good at at it, but certainly Brock Purdy did. The problem is it was six games, and now he's coming with expectations. Nobody saw him coming last season, Joe. If you, I mean, defenses couldn't game plan for Brock Purdy. He was Mr. Irrelevant, right? Now they've got the playbook. Now they're ready for Brock Purdy being in the situation of running that offense. I'm not going to make too much out of the interceptions in practice. He threw two interceptions yesterday in practice. He threw a bunch in training camp otherwise. I don't really care that much about that because he's working. He's QB1 now, right? He's working with the ones. They're probably trying some stuff out. It's not an opportunity that they had last training camp because he was QB3 going into training camp last year. So it's not that that concerns me. It's just the overall sample size that concerns me and that word confident. I think that he's capable. Like, I think it can happen, but I don't feel great about it happening because it's Brock Purdy that we're talking about. At one point, there was a reason that he was Mr. Irrelevant. His teammates talk about the fact that if you don't know him, you might think he's a bit of a jerk. But when you get to understand him, it's not that he's a jerk. He's just ultra intense and ultra focused. And I love hearing that about a guy. I love hearing that a guy knows what the job is and he understands how he has to go about it. Are you one of those guys that people think's a jerk until they get to know you? They think I'm a jerk until they get to know me and then it's confirmed. So, yeah, it happens pretty quick. I'm sure you've been there. James has been there. We don't need to rehash all these things. But, yes, yes. So it takes one to know one. I at least understand the front half of of how people perceive him. The second part is where we diverge in our paths. But uh, ultimately, one of the things that's working out great for him Best way to get to the playoffs is to win your division. You got one true contender you're up against, which is Seattle. They're going to be good this year, but you can get past them, and then you're in. And when you're in, who are you up against? Uh, Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago? I don't know. NFC South? I don't know. If the Saints are the cream of the crop, that they don't scare me if they're coming on the road to play you. Philly, formidable, yes. 
Dallas formidable, yes. Maybe Philly and Dallas have to meet each other in the playoffs and they knock each other out and then you only have to deal with one of them. So the path could be quite comfortable for young Purdy and the Niners given what the NFC looks like right now. He needs Bosa. They need to get something figured out with Bosa. Coming up next, can the Browns QB1 get back to his 2020 form this season? We'll get into that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Football tonight, Joe. There will be football on our televisions. Browns at Eagles, your team, on the NFL Network. That game kicks off at 7.30, so about 15 minutes from now. No one's playing in this thing, right? I mean, Jalen's not playing in this thing We're definitely not seeing Deshaun Watson. I think that's a mistake, actually, by the way. And this is breaking my cardinal rule because I'm one who subscribes to the Sean McVay playbook, rest your starters in the preseason, particularly your vet starters who have years of experience and have already proven themselves in the league. I don't need to see you. So typically, a player of Deshaun Watson's caliber, who was a top three quarterback in the league at one point, I'd say, nope, nope, let's go ahead and rest him. I don't want to see him for one second in the preseason. However, with that guy, with how rusty he looked when he came back in week 13 and the remainder of the season this past season, I feel like a few snaps in preseason might be helpful to make sure that rust doesn't start creeping up again. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I don't know how much one or two series in a game is going to do for you, but at least get the idea of getting into the flow, getting up to the line of scrimmage, making the pre-snap reads, getting into the necessary checks, and moving on. Stay healthy, but this is a guy with a ton of upside. This is perhaps the most interesting team in the NFL to me this season. I know a lot of people would say the Jets and whatever. That's your criteria. You say the Jets. I say the Browns because I see the way people look at them. I see the way they're priced here in Vegas. The mindset is, okay, they should be a tough out. Maybe they make the playoffs, but they most likely don't. Eight and nine, maybe nine and eight. 
I think they've got a world of potential. I think they could be a 12-win team. I think you look up and down the roster. They've got an elite running back in Nick Chubb. They've got a top-five offensive line. They've got formidable pass catchers. The defense is solid. They added Dalvin Tomlinson to the interior of the defensive line in free agency, which is going to really help out Miles Garrett. There's a lot to like about this team, and I think Kevin Stavansky is a smart head coach. It all comes down to whether it's Watson from last year or Watson from the Houston days. And if Watson can figure out how to get back to the level he was at in the Houston days, look out. Because if he's that good, where would you rank them in the AFC? If you had Deshaun Watson from his peak in Houston, how, and, and I told you that's who he's going to be this year and he's going to be healthy, how good's, you, how good's Cleveland? Yeah, I, I mean, the sky's the limit then for that team because if you're talking yep. about 2020 Watson, you're talking about almost 5,000 yards for that player. You're 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That's the season that dude had back in 2020. Now, I mentioned he came back in week 13 this past season. It was the lowest QBR of his entire career. It did not get much better through the rest of the season. It was statistically by far the worst season and the small snippet that we saw from him this past season. It's been years since we saw him do it, but man, when we saw him do it. So if he can do it again, if he can be that guy, and I don't know if he is going to be that. I think he's going to be significantly better. And for all the reasons that you just mentioned, that Cleveland team is better than a lot of people realize. And I think we're just dismissing them because, I guess, of what he gave us last season and how rusty he looked. But it was a weird situation. You're coming off of the suspension. You've been away from football for so long. You were in the headlines for so long for all the wrong reasons. Now he gets in. He's at OTAs. He's at training camp. He's getting these reps. He's not going to play him here in the preseason. I think he should, but he's there. He's with the team. He's getting all the QB1 reps. As we enter the season, I do expect this Browns team to be good. I expect him to be much, much better. 2020 might be overstating it, Joe, but much better. The opportunity in prognostication comes from finding where the biases are in people's way of thinking. And the way of thinking that is flawed oftentimes is what we talk about with something like recency bias. The idea that when we look at the AFC North, we say to ourselves, all right, Cincinnati's probably going to win, Baltimore two, yeah, I could see Cleveland three, Pittsburgh four. Like, almost everybody structures it that way, including Vegas. Why do we do that? Well, we've seen the Bengals play awesome football the last two years. Mm -hmm. We like the Ravens, but we know Lamar Jackson gets hurt. We think the Browns could be good, so we'll slot them three. And then we're not really sure of Kenny Pickett and the Steelers. We don't see high upside, but we do understand the high floor, so we slot them four. It's the same reason Kansas City gets a complete sweep of the AFC uh, West when it comes to predictions. It's why the Bills, Jets, Dolphins, and Patriots are structured the way they are. Look around. It's all based on what we've seen in the past for the most part. Find the areas in which it doesn't line up. The Browns weren't good last year. So they're not going to be good again. Well, is it true that they weren't good last year? Yeah. What was the reason? Watson. Why was Watson bad? Well, he hadn't played in a couple of years. So it is reasonable to think that after knocking the rust off, he could be a lot better. And that's where you exploit the market. Because if he's a lot better, and there's reason to believe he will be, that team's going to be a lot better than people predict as of right now. And it's not just about him, right? It's also about Correct. what 
Stefanski had to do there when you're going from the backup to Deshaun Watson. You know, it's a very different style. There was only so much you could do then. You're not going to change the entire playbook to open things up for Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson's skill set that we saw back in 2020 wasn't really utilized this last season, frankly, by the Cleveland Browns. I think he's got a good coach in place. I think that coach was in a difficult situation because you had a player coming back from two years away from football. And don't forget that this stems back to long before the drama, the legal issues, the accusations. It stems all the way back to him wanting out of Houston. That's when he stopped playing football. So it had been a significant period of time, a very tumultuous period of time for numerous reasons over that two-year span. And then all of a sudden he has to come back in to lead this offense, an offense that was essentially designed for a quarterback that did not have, I mean, it it did a fine job there with Brissett, but did not have the skill set that Deshaun Watson has at his disposal. I think all of that opens up this season. So it's not just about him knocking the rust off. It's also about the coaching staff having the opportunity to truly tailor the playbook now to that quarterback. If you look around some of the props, a guy like Amari Cooper's priced at like 900 plus receiving yards. Cooper's gone over a thousand yards quite a bit in his career. He's got big ceiling potential, but he's more of a quiet wide receiver. You don't hear him talk much. So people tend to sleep on him and they tend to sleep on a lot of this situation, which is why I think there's opportunity. Conversely, you want to look for the teams that everybody's all in on because they look so good last year and see if you can find the flaws. That's why we point out teams like Minnesota and the Giants. It's not to troll the fan bases. It's that historically there are some red flags that have proven to be red flags over time that these two teams are carrying into the season. The record in one score games is one of them. If you are outstanding or awful with your record in one score games, that's something that points to regression, whether positive or negative the following year. And it's something that can be an indicator of whether or not a team was better than they looked the season before, like Minnesota, who was 11-0 and in one-score games, or worse, because there are teams out there that struggle in those departments. Denver's one of those teams. There are reasons to believe that Denver could be better than what we saw last season and, as a result, better this year. But you see that thick, slow Russell Wilson quarterback play in the preseason, and you think to yourself, guy looks like an iceberg out there. There's no way I can get behind that team. I already made the mistake about you. I bailed on that take before we even got the preseason game number two. I completely sold all of my my Broncos stock after preseason game number one. I still think they're going to be better, man. I think they're going to be significantly better. And I think he's going to be significantly better. Mr. Wonderful, I'm out. Really? I mean, he's only, I don't have, isn't he only 33 or 34 years old? Yeah. Age isn't the problem. When you watch him, he just looks so. But what do you, what, what on earth do you attribute that to? This is a quarterback that we watched for a decade, not look thick or slow. I, I would like to know what his weight is now versus what it was in, say, 2013, 2014 with the Legion of Boom. I'm wondering if he put on weight. If he didn't, maybe he's just getting a little bit older. I don't know. Maybe, we it, all are. Listen, he's had a great career. It, we're it's, we're people all carrying it a little bit differently, you know? Speak for so. yourself. I'm, I'm in my prime right now. <laughs> Me too, actually. In I'm in prime. my prime. He's 34 years old, Russell Wilson. Yeah, he's age still on wise, the right side of 35. Yeah, he's, he's age-wise is not the concern for me. The concern is he just he's not elusive. What made him great was his ability to get outside the pocket and buy extra time for his receivers down the field. He doesn't look like he can do that anymore. And maybe it's that. Maybe it's him getting older. Maybe it's the way. I don't know. I do know that his 
Production took a little dip there once they changed OCs there at the end of his career in Seattle. And then we saw what it looked like last year in a system that did not work for him. I I guess I just believe in Sean Payton's ability to get more out of him and to get more out of that team generally. Coming up next year on Joe and Amber, a coach getting mad for his players not getting involved in a brawl. We'll get into that. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. the people affected by the Hawaii wildfires donate at redcross.org slash ESPN to help the Red Cross respond and help people recover. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh here with you on Joe and Amber ESPN radio presented to you by Progressive Insurance. It's that time we find out what's a big deal and what's not a big deal. It's making headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Joe and Amber? Joe Amber and our producer James Steele. Hello, James. Hi, guys. How's everyone doing today? Good? Yeah, pretty good. Great. Yeah, thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. I mean, did you really want to know? Or No, no, I was just okay. making small talk So before I uh, started reading my note cards. All right, so we all know that summer football practices always lead to summer football brawls. And that rang true earlier this week with the Colorado Buffaloes. And obviously, Coach Prime was angry about it, but probably not for the reason that you think. I seen two of y'all walking off over there, and you got a key teammate fighting. What they do that at? Nowhere. Nowhere. Not what they do that at? Not Nowhere. here. In one fight, we all fight. You understand that? I don't want to see y'all walking off when somebody's fight. Yes, sir. Never again. So Coach Prime mad that his uh, some of his players weren't involved in the brawl. Joe, big deal, not a big deal. Big deal. I like what he's doing. I know a lot of people are going to look at that. They're going to say this is wrong. Uh, Coach Prime is is preaching the wrong things. They shouldn't be encouraging fighting. He's not encouraging fighting. He's encouraging teamwork. He's encouraging toughness. He's encouraging oneness. He's encouraging culture, a physical culture that is going to stand up to whatever comes their way. It's not like he's going in there telling everyone you should all be out there fighting, causing problems. But if you see something like that going down, you got to stand up and you can't get pushed around. Colorado football's been pushed around for a long time. He's trying to change the culture. It is going to be a big project for him, and this year is not going to go well, but it is going to be a stepping stone because he's shown us he can win football games. I think it's very intriguing to see what's going on in Boulder right now. I actually think this is not a big deal, and why this isn't a big deal to me is because that was very clearly Deion Sanders, the player, making an appearance and not Deion Sanders, the coach. So the only reason that people think this is a big deal is because we're not used to hearing that kind of speak from coaches. But anybody who's ever played the game would tell you that that's the exact type of attitude that you're supposed to have, right? That it's you ride or die with your teammates, that you back them at all times. You do whatever your teammates say, whatever your teammates do, like you're all in this thing together. And Dion's just trying to create that culture there for a team that was 1-11 last year. He's got to do something to fire up his guys and try to instill an entirely new culture in Colorado. The reason it's not a big deal is because that's exactly why Colorado hired him. They hired him to be Dion Sanders. They didn't hire him to just be some run-of-the-mill football coach that anybody can be, you know, who didn't play the game and has a different attitude and, hey, we need to protect the kids. He, they hired him to be Dion, and that was Dion being full Dion. Now, what I think is interesting about it is from the coaching perspective, maybe don't encourage all of your starters to get involved in a fight, right? Or 
to even be near a fight. Like maybe like on the on the low, pull the starting quarterback aside and be like, so you need to be there for your guys, but maybe stand just a little back of the fight, you know, <laughs> do like that fake NBA thing. That fake hold me back because you don't want any more of your players risking injury by being involved in this thing. But I do understand from a culture perspective what he's trying to do. Did you see, guy? Did you guys see, by the way, in that video? I don't know if you actually saw the video of it, Joe, but all of the players have their uh, Instagram and Twitter handles on the back of their jerseys. Oh, do they? Yeah. They all have their social media <laughs> handles on their jerseys. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, I guess it was only a matter of time. Yep. Uh, at J Steel five six. There you go. Okay, there you go. All right, uh, Chief Superfan Xavier Babadar, aka Chiefsaholic on social media, was indicted by a federal grand jury today. Yeah. Chiefsaholic is accused of three counts of armed bank robbery, one count of bank theft, eleven counts of money laundering, and four counts of transporting stolen property across state lines. Uh, Amber, big deal, not a big deal. Uh, Chiefs of Hall, like indicted. Yeah, that, I mean, that seems like a big deal. Uh, it seems bad, by the way. We had one of those uh, Miami Heat super fans who was very, very, very well known in the South Florida market go to prison recently. I believe the allegation was murder. Uh, so there oh. was that. Yeah. So uh, this is not something exclusive to Kansas City super fans. But it feels like a big deal if you're going to prison and you're indicted on a whole bunch of felonies. It feels like feels like a big deal. How does the Kansas City Chiefs community feel about this guy? Like the fan base, the community at large. Uh, you gotta distance yourself from that guy now, right? Yeah. James, what's, like, what's the thought process on this guy, James? You're a Chiefs fan. How did you feel about him prior to him being caught? I didn't know who he was uh, before he was caught. Oh, you did. So are you now? Are you one of these? Like, are you big into Chiefs Twitter? Chiefs X. I just like I just read stuff, you know. I I'm not like uh yeah. Like you don't do like hashtag chief. I don't even know if that's a thing for Chiefs, you guys, but yeah, I assume Chiefs it Kingdom. is. I do. Oh, there yeah. you go. But I don't like search hashtags and stuff. I'm, Are you saying you were unaware of this story? No, I wasn't unaware of the story. I just didn't know who he was before. How they did started you personally about, feel about him? Um. Well, I mean, it's bad that he was robbing <laughs> that banks. He's robbing I'm just curious. Yeah. That's a, you know, that's a safe take by you, James. I feel like that was some the right way to go. Some people find it funny. Some people root for no, individuals no. like that. I didn't know where James landed. I don't think we can be. The, I don't think we can be on that side of the fence. Yeah, armed armed robbery is probably not the way to go. That's where you draw the line. <laughs> yeah, armed robbery. All right, fair. Maybe just like regular robbery to get yourself to Chief Games. I might be behind. Petty but the theft. Armed part, robbery yeah, like, and not theft. too far. A candy a bar step, from a Big Candy, no big deal. <laughs> my goodness what else do you have james oh okay so yeah, he's like about... completely he's thinking like should i be supporting this guy he is a chiefs fan he's a pretty uh, uh, ingenious way to get yourself to <laughs> chief games all over the place right i mean i mean clearly not because he got caught so yeah, I mean, it seems the, like there was nothing ingenious took a, about took him a while to catch him though <laughs> then he then he got away like he like ran away from the police it was a crazy story all right uh so yesterday we talked about joel and being scrubbing his uh, Twitter X social stuff of anything uh, related to the Sixers. Uh, we, we all went crazy. We talked about it yesterday. Ramona Shelburne uh, was on 97.5, the fanatic in Philadelphia though uh, today. And he, she told them that quote, he's happy to be a Sixer and that she doesn't think that this is a precursor to something. He's just being Joel, the troll, uh, Joe, is that a big deal or not a big deal? Then uh, apparently Embiid is happy in Philadelphia. 
it's certainly possible he's trolling. It's certainly possible he embraces that role. He has fun with that role. It's not a surprise. I don't think he's taking all that off as a troll job, though. I think he's sending a message. I think he's at a point where he's been through enough. He just won the MVP award, and he was allowed to celebrate that for maybe like a week before the entire world was like, yeah, this is as fraudulent an MVP as we've ever seen. Jokic is smoking people out there. He's winning a title. He's putting up monster numbers. Why did Embiid get the award? Like, have you ever seen an MVP award in any sport handed out that so quickly everybody rallied against that decision (laughs) within such a quick amount of time? There's no one at this point in time that feels Joel Embiid. Even Joel Embiid knows he wasn't the MVP of the league last year. He basically cried when he got that thing like it was obvious when he got that award that that's what he cared about and I I, it it was not a good look because what you need to be caring about is getting out of the second round of the playoffs right if you're the reigning MVP but it felt like that's what he cared about so much was winning that individual award this to me is not a big deal because I don't believe it at all and and that's not a knock (laughs) on Ramona Shelbourne it's just I, I mean all of this feels so calculated and although I understand that he loves to troll, I don't think that this is his way of trolling. I think that this is his way of sending subliminal messages or low-key subtweet messages. And then you have to feed the story to Ramona that, oh, no, it's okay, you know. But it's not okay. You're not doing this because it's okay. Nothing's okay right now in Philadelphia. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, Dolph- I hate talking about Philadelphia sports. I just hate it. I mean, the Eagles are okay. They're doing okay. Yeah. Nothing's okay uh, on the basketball front in Philadelphia. uh, All right. All right. Dolphins four-time Pro Bowl left tackle. Teron Armstead left practice earlier today with an apparent right leg (sighs) injury. Uh, But he did did tweet, quote, got landed on during team run in practice today, exclamation point. Things like that happen in the trenches, exclamation point. Shrugging emoji. We just get up and get back to work, exclamation point. And that's what we do. And that's what I do, exclamation point. A blue heart mindset on week one <laughs> dolphin emoji. So it seems like he's probably okay. And he's focused on getting back for week one. But Amber, big deal, not a big deal. Uh, Your left tackle is banged up. Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, and the reason it's a big deal is because this is a left tackle that has missed a lot of time. I mean, we brought this guy in. You paid him the big money. You're hoping he show, shores up the O-line that the Dolphins have tried to address every single season, and you can never fully get it right. He's the big, splashy signing from the New Orleans Saints. And then he comes in, and he misses four games in 2020 for a whole series, by the way, of injuries, not just an injury. Didn't play in week six because of a toe. Didn't play in week 13 because of a pectoral strain. He missed the final two regular season games as well because of another injury. He played in the wild card loss to the Buffalo Bills, but in that game, he endured a hip and knee injuries that were aggravated also that had been aggravated throughout the regular season. And now here he gets landed on in training camp and he's carted off. Tyreek Hill said that he's fine. He's just old and that's not fine. (laughs) So it's a big deal, right? Like Tyreek literally came on the mic and he's like, no, Tron's fine. He told me he's just old. And it's like, well, yeah, that herein lies the problem, man. He's only 32 years old, Joe, but it's problematic at this point. How it's nimble a, he appears to be. It's a big deal if he's going to miss significant time, which it looks like he's not. So I'm going to say not a big deal. But I will say this. 
the Dolphins are getting dangerously close to being that one team that we have every year that just gets drilled with injuries Mm -hmm. from the start of camp. They already lost Jalen Ramsey to, like, December. They had the Armstead scare today. The Dolphins are just... Come on, man. We're kind of excited about that season. They could be a lot of fun. And with Tua, too. I mean, stop getting hurt. Everybody right. stop getting hurt. No kidding. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, the Yankees are just flat out terrible. <laughs> we will get into that. <laughs> ESPN is. Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. The Yankees are bad. Joe, the Yankees are bad. Yeah, they're actually terrible. <laughs> they really, they're embarrassing. They really are. I mean, there's no other way to start this conversation. The Yankees are awful. Go I'm, ahead. <laughs> yeah, I am going to bring this up because I was, I mean, after last night, I believe they have now moved to one game under 500 on the season, 60 and mm-hmm. 61. The thing is, there's losing and then there's spineless performances. And that's what we're seeing from the Yanks right now. They are just spineless, gutless, heartless, you name it. Because if you go back through this last series of games, they go to Atlanta to play the best team in baseball. And it's an NL team. So you're not going to see them all that often. So the thought process here should be, all right, we've been struggling a bit. Things aren't going our way this season. This is a nice little measuring stick. Let's show up. Let's see if we let's can stick it to show Atlanta. up. <laughs> yeah, let's show up. Let's get up for this series. It's tough to get up for 162 games. They're coming off a series against Miami, and the, before that they were playing the White Sox. So it's like, here we go. Let's get up for this My- Atlanta series. Mm-hmm. They lose 11-3, to 5-0, 2-0. They're outscored 18-3 to over the three-game series. And now they got Boston coming up. But no one gives a damn about that rivalry anymore. The Yanks are abysmal. And it's not just the record and the lack of performance. It's just the nightly, heartless, spineless showings you see from this team. I was doing a little research earlier today just for fun for this segment. I took a handful of teams in baseball, and I just basically divided their payroll by their wins to see how much money it's costing these teams to get a win this season. No one's worse than the other New York team. The Mets are paying $6.2 million this year per win. Each win has cost them $6.2 million. The Yanks are right behind them. The Yanks are paying $4.6 million per win. You take the team payroll and you divide it by the number of wins they have. It's that simple. Now compare this, okay? The Yankees are paying $4.6 million per win. The Baltimore Orioles are are paying $950,000 per win. They've got a very low payroll, and they're 74-47 and with the second-best record in Major League Baseball. That's what stings if you're the Yanks. Because it's one thing when you have a big payroll and you lose to another team with a big payroll. It's another thing entirely when you spend a lot of money and you're the Yankees and some little upstart from down south shows up and just laps you having spent virtually no money whatsoever. That's the biggest indictment of this team. Not one, but two teams, the Rays included, have performed at a much better level this year for a fraction of the cost. It's bad business is what it is. And of course it's bad business business if you don't get results. The Yankees and the Mets combined 
$622 million. Neither of those teams are going to make the playoffs. But it's I don't believe. I know Mets. the Yankees still can, theoretically. It ain't it's happening. expected for the Mets. That's the thing with them. Even Mets fans it know wasn't expected the, uh, the this season for the Mets. Shoe Come on. It's always about to drop with the Mets. The other shoe's always about to drop. Every Mets fan out there knows it. They want to buy in. I don't blame them. They got talent. It was an exciting organization. There's a lot to get excited about. But the bottom line is every Mets fan knows that the other shoe is eventually going to drop. It just dropped a lot sooner this year than it has in the past. Yankee fans, they're of the belief that they are truly going to challenge for the World Series. And they went to the ALCS last year, but they got swept out by Houston. It's one of those things where it's like the Lakers and the Nuggets. Like, yeah, you were in the conference finals, but were you really there if you got swept right out to not even register a win? It's like you weren't even there. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I also think you could argue that the Mets are in a better position because they immediately do an about face. They're, it's, I mean, I'm going to call it a fire sale. They're calling it a retool, but they immediately sell their pieces. Right? It's going to be ugly next season for the Mets, but at least they're trying to fix the problem. And you know, you have an owner that's very committed in terms of payroll. I don't know how you fix this problem because this problem also has a lot to do with injury, right? Aaron Judge has been plagued by injury. That certainly doesn't help with how much money he's been making, even he's supposed to be, of course, your potential MVP candidate this season. Garrett Cole, I mean, all right, that's the money just isn't translating into success, though, for the rest of the payroll. And it's a problem that I think is going to end up costing Brian Cashman his job. But really, it feels like a player problem to me, not even a manager problem, not an ownership problem, but a player problem. And I don't know what it is about this Yankees team where they're not motivated. It's what you said. How do you have that series against the Braves and you don't even show up? I don't have a problem with them losing to the best team in baseball. But it was like they weren't even there. Like, they just don't even care. They've given up. They've they've also just bought into the idea we're not making the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Who cares? And that is not the attitude you were supposed to have when you wear pinstripes. Yeah, there's a, it's a leadership problem. It's a culture problem. That's what it is. It, it's they spent the Yankees. Money. Like, they have the talent. How do you have a culture problem for the New York Yankees? It it, it happens. It happens everywhere. The Lakers have had it. The Celtics have had it. Every mm-hmm. every major franchise. If you're around long enough, you're going to go through it. You're going to have the wrong leadership in place, or maybe you're going to invest in one or two key players that you think can help you, but they turn out to be awful locker room guys and they poison the place. I'm not saying that's what's going on with the Yanks, but ultimately they just have a culture problem. They don't get fired up for games. They're not showing up. They're laying down night in and night out. They're doing the fans, the city, the pinstripes a major disservice. I don't know if they'll move on from Cashman. It seems like they should, but every time someone brings that up, you always hear an executive or someone who really knows baseball come out and say, look, if the Yankees move on from Brian Cashman, there are 29 other teams that would be happy to hire Brian Cashman. It's Which leads true. me to believe that he apparently he might not be the problem. Because that's the type of stuff that, I'm not saying he said it, but like a Jeff Passan might say, mm-hmm. Passan's really smart. Passan knows baseball inside and out. I love talking baseball with him. So if he were to say something like that, I sit back and I go, all right, what do I have wrong here? Maybe it's not Cashman, but look, it's guys like Judge, they get hurt, they miss games, fine. It's part of the business. But that doesn't mean you completely fold up shop I mean, Cincinnati has more Reds this year, wins this year. The Diamondbacks have more wins. The Cubs have more wins. The Marlins have more wins. That's not Yankee baseball. They were in the ALCS last year. Those teams should not have more wins than the Yanks. The Marlins are on the come up. They're right, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, all Kim, those years Kim of being is, awful. Listen, Kimming's done, done a good job there with the Miami Marlins. They, they are they are really truly on the come up. Nevertheless, uh, it's it's I don't know if your analysis there of you don't move on from Cashman because other teams are going to want him is the right attitude though. I mean, we've seen. I mean, we just saw it in the NBA, right? Like, oh, does Toronto not move on from Nick Nurse because you know Philadelphia is going to want him? You know, we see these teams that feel like okay, we've reached a crossroads here. We have to do something. We have to make some sort of change. And normally, those changes are at the top because these players are under contract. Coming up next, let's see if. I can get more Eagles fans incredibly mad at me. Easy. They're already so mad. At me. Joe and Amber, the podcast.